Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girl Bomb. Girl Bomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girl Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self care. So, to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you, and treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. So, yeah, it's Master's Weekend. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's an important weekend for dads all across America. Golf tournament in Georgia. Everything's green there. And that's what I've been doing. I've been watching that because your boy is starting to trend towards dad. I'm not a dad. I'm a dog dad. But, like, I always thought of myself as, like, the cool, young, hip, hipster radio DJ, going to all the shows, drinking and smoking and being cool. And now I'm like, eh, I got to watch the Masters, guys. A tradition unlike any other. But whatever, it's kind of fun. Speaking of Masters, do we have one on the show today? Let's get this thing going. Run it. This is the Wells Cast with Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. Booyah! show is kind of like a tradition unlike any other, to be honest with you, you know? No one's ever thought to interview people about their past. <laughs> Groundbreaking stuff, Wells. You truly are a visionary, a trailblazer, if you will. No, this is, uh, this is a show that's been done before. It'll be done again long after I'm gone, which actually should be pretty soon, considering I'm in uh, dad bod master's mode. So I'm about three minutes away from the early bird special at the Golden Corral dementia, and a smooth transition into cold, hard death. How's dark? Whatever, it's been a year, man. Your boy got the vaccine, though, so that ain't gonna kill him. Got the Modern, which I will say, uh, second shot of the Modern put me on my ass. I was being so arrogant, too. The vaccine gods were like, <laughs> you stupid bitch, we shall get you. I got mine at like 10 in the morning. You've been hearing like all these just kind of horror stories. And I was like, how do I feel? What's going on? Around 10 p.m., so 12 hours after I got the shot, I was like, I think I'm in the clear, guys. I think that my amazing immune system is totally going to just float by this thing. And I am not going to feel anything. Took a melatonin, went in bed, knocked it out. And then about 3 in the morning, your boy started getting the fever dreams, the flop sweat. Oh, 
And then I just felt like hot death for about 12 more hours. But now I feel fine. And you know what's exciting about that? Yeah, yes, like it was a day of just achiness and it's not feeling great. But you know that like meme of Leonardo DiCaprio walking on the beach being like, here we go. I feel like that now I can walk through the world like that. I'm still going to wear a mask. I'm still going to be smart and stuff. And I'm still going to wash my hands a lot because you shit anyways because you still be gross. But it's like a new world. A whole new world. Super pumped about today's show. Okay, my guest today is a guy that's been in reality TV longer than most of my audience, I feel like, has been alive. Just a mainstay, a trailblazer, if you will, in the reality TV world. You know, after doing Worst Cooks with Johnny, I became this huge challenge fan. And now Sarah and I are obsessed. So having this guy on the show today makes me really, really excited. But I also, like I said earlier, am getting up there in the age bracket. And your boy was in high school in the mid to late 90s. Okay? Facts. And so I was a huge real world road rules guy. And the guy that we have on the show today was from the first ever road rules season. But that's not all he did, man. Literally, this dude has done everything. He was on Fox Reality's longest running original series, Reality Remix. Which, by the way, how does that show not exist anymore with the advent of all these amazing reality TV shows, whatever. He basically interviewed hundreds of reality stars and reviewed their shows. Genius. He was the gadget guru on multiple daytime talk shows, including like the new Donnie and Marie show, Soap Talk, and so many more. He was the lead host for E! Entertainment's three-hour live morning show called That Morning Show. And of course, he's a two-time challenge winner, which is baller. What about a year and a half ago, he hopped on Twitter and he sent out a tweet saying, hey, challenge fans, how do you guys feel about an OG version of the challenge? Shorter shooting schedule, some of the best OG personalities, and guess what? That thing went viral. So my guest today signed a partnership deal with a production company that led to the MTV slash Paramount Plus deal and that birthed the new concept the Challenge All-Stars, which is now airing on Paramount+. Plus. If you are a fan of The Challenge, uh, you better go watch The Challenge All-Stars. So on the Wells cast today, we have The Godfather. That's right. The one, the only, Mark Long. Guys, this is one you do not want to miss. Stick around. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bear Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. 
Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. All right, welcome back to the Wellscast. Very excited to have... Well, let's just say it. One of the greats from reality TV on the show. And as someone who has been on reality TV now for seven years, I can't imagine doing it for as long as this guy. Speaking of the word long, Mark Long on the show. How are you, bro? Yes, as always, Wells, coming in hot and ferocious just for you, my man. I look young and beautiful. It's true. But I am <laughs> I'm on the wrong end of 30. And, bro, I remember your season of road rules back in the mid nineties. And I was a huge fan. I had the Miz on, I don't know, maybe a year ago and I was fanboying out. So having you on the show is very, very exciting. So thank you for being here. That is awesome. Yeah. You're, you're aging me right off the bat with my 95 road rules call out. Yeah. I turned 50 this year. Wells, isn't that terrible? I mean, when you're growing up, 50 is so old when you're like 18. So I, I'm there. I am there, my friend. I didn't age you. You aged yourself because you yep. created the I challenge. The I took the bait, my friend. <laughs> challenge all stars, which is a sweet way of saying the challenge. AARP edition. Just so you know, like I need you to understand like where I'm coming from. I wasn't a fan of the challenge. I was a fan of Road Rules and Real World growing up. I actually auditioned for Real World, funny enough, years ago in college. And then That's I, amazing. And then I wasn't a fan of the challenge until I went on Worst Cooks in America, Celebrity Edition. It's a real Boom. loose term there. And I went up against a gentleman by the name of Johnny Bananas. And then I became friends with him. I beat his ass on the show, which was nice because I found out that he's some great challenge guy. Since then, my fiance Sarah and myself have become fucking addicted to the challenge. This most recent season is amazing. So right off the bat, before we get into your iteration of it, are you watching the challenge right now? It's airing on MTV. Of course, we're, we're approaching the finals on that series. I'm a big CT fan, so I always root for the OG. And it's great because I actually am I'm super close with Johnny. He was actually out here for his birthday, and we went. We had to come to to a dinner. But I watched you beat his ass on Worst Cooks in America. So you can always have that that feather in your cap as you move forward in this reality realm, my friend. So it's yeah, kudos to you. It was awesome. I'm glad that you said CT because there's nothing more that I love than someone who's really good in interview. 
I'm new to this whole challenge thing. So when I'm tweeting or I'm Instagramming about how much I love CT and Big T and their dynamic and like how cute they are, how good both of them are in interview, people are hitting me back being like, Steez T's a snake. He's always been like this and you shouldn't root for him. I'm like, first of all, I can root for whoever the fuck I want because that's the whole right, en right. enjoyment of the show. I come at it from a different angle of I love CT because if I was a producer on that show, I would absolutely cream my pants every time I sat down with him. That sounded weird, but it's true <laughs> because he gives you such good sound bites. And the thing with your show, the challenge all-stars is that I always say this about bachelor in paradise. It's the reality TV all-stars from the bachelor worlds. Everyone who's very, very good at being on camera and doing interviews. And I imagine that's kind of what this is. This is everyone who's very, very good at being on camera. And I'll go even a step further. So a lot of people, when they first saw the show kind of come out in the press, they were like all-stars. Well, they instantly went to people's resumes, like how many challenges have they won? And I was like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. Cause this initially started as the OG project. You know, some of those people that you haven't seen in 10, 15, 20 years, that was my goal. So all-stars, I'm exactly like you. I use the all-star term in the fact that they have an all-star personality. They have an all-star reputation within the challenge. They have an all-star moment in the past challenges that has been epic. So I don't go to the resumes of win or lose. I go to the uh, resume of who's going to show up, who's going to give us their best personality, and who's some of the most fan favorites. I mean, Beth, Ruthie, Cyrus, um, those are some names that everyone grew up with and can relate to instantly. And then you have those wild cards thrown in, like the tech monies or the Isellas or the yeses that people just, they really went off the grid. So it's nice to bring those people back. I think I've said this before, the nostalgia of the fact that we grew up with the audience, just like they grew up with us. So there's kind of an emotional connection there, not just a, Hey, who's this, who's Kyle from the, from the UK. I, that guy looks familiar. So there's kind of an invested kind of emotional attachment before the season even starts because you grew up with these folks. And that was my main goal. And I think we hit it out of the park and I, I couldn't be more happy than the response we've had so far. It's been amazing. Barstool said it was perfect, which that's high praise from a place that's primarily known as talking about people. So well done. That's what I said. I said, if we can get Barstool Sports who shits on everyone, they're the <laughs> realest person out there to say it's perfect. We did something right. I'm actually going on with them later today live. And uh, they get it, though. They they. They don't care that people are the strongest or the most in shape. They love good television. It's entertaining as hell. And it's fun to see, you know, someone that's not an Olympic athlete struggle, but still be funny along the way. And I think, you know, middle, middle America is not, you know, probably out there during the winters running 50 miles. And, you know, so it's like it's nice to show the average portion of America that that moms and dads, mothers, fathers can still strap on the Speedo and to go out there and melt some ice with their ass. You know what I mean? So it's nice. Going back to the genesis of the challenge All-Stars, I was reading up on you and I guess I just assumed that Viacom was like, all right, we've got this new streaming service. Let's just create some new programming for Paramount+. Plus. This will be an easy fit. And then as I dug a little bit deeper, I saw that the origins came from a tweet that you had sent out, just like kind of asking the fans out there what their appetite was for something like this goes viral, bada bing, bada boom. You're now an EP on the show? Yeah, I'm executive. I'm, I'm a player coach, as they say, EP and competitor. Yeah, I threw, I threw out the tweet in late July. 
Us Weekly picked it up and it went nuts. And then uh, some different outlets started reaching out to me, People Magazine, you know, Yahoo, all the different ones. So I knew there was a temperament for it. I knew there was an audience for it. And once I met with Buna Murray, who does the challenges, and we established that partnership deal, there was really no other place that I wanted to take it first but MTV. And the fact that it coincided with the release of their partnership with Paramount Plus, everything lined up. So when I first pitched it in late July, to have it shot and airing in April is pretty, you know, the business, it's insane. So it, it, it happened really quick. Um, the talent that I got is A+. plus. They're super funny. And um, it's just a fun, nostalgic show that you, I, I've had so many people just like, I just smiled through the whole episode because it's just fun. It's a fun show. The music's fucking awesome. So it's a good throwback show. How is it not a conflict of interest to be a producer but also be a contestant on the show? So when I initially started, my role was to gather a lots of names that were interested. So I pulled probably 80 names and put together probably 80 bios, spoke with 80, you know, OG cast members, kind of gave them the spiel about, you know, this isn't a, a challenge we're going to be leaving for 10, 11 weeks. That's one of the reasons we can't go on in the first place. So I said, how would you feel about a two to three week, you know, shooting schedule? And if I can make this happen, will you be, will you be interested? And they're like, everyone I asked said, yeah. So when I got them to sign on and do the partnership, I got the executive producer credit right off the bat just by doing that pre-production work. So once they established that I was going to be a cast member, I didn't know the format. I didn't know the games we were going to play. I actually didn't even know the host until I showed up on set because that's how secretive they pushed it away from me. So when you watch it, I don't have any kind of insider trading knowledge. I show up just like everyone else thinking, well, there's ice blocks. We're probably going to be melting ice blocks or there's a crane. I guess we're doing stuff high today. So in terms of a competitive advantage, you'll see as the series goes, I, I definitely do not have a competitive advantage in terms of knowing what we do before it happens. So that kind of how was that worked out? If I'm in your shoes and I'm creating this thing and I'm kind of doing all the heavy lifting in terms of like logistics of, of uh, you know, the architecture of the show, why aren't you hosting? That's like me being like, I want to do a bachelorette style show. And then I create the whole thing. And then I'm like, and I also want to like go and be like one of 27 dudes and date one chick. Like I, that to me, I'd be like, no, I want to go be the host of the show. Well, I wanted to, I think what MTV did in Paramount, which was smart, is bringing TJ over to host kind of was a bridge to that younger generation and the older generation that we have in terms of audience. So, you know, having him be the figurehead of both shows, I think it's a nice combination that kind of pulls from each age group because he's now known young and old as being the guy. So would I have hosted it? You, of course. Look, I'm an egomaniac. I'm, I'm like <laughs> you. I would have loved to host it. But I just thought for the show's sake in terms of the big picture, because I have a master plan of this whole thing, uh, Wells, and it is to do probably eight or nine seasons of the, the All-Stars and then as a spinoff series, not like a 10th season, but as a spinoff series, almost like a Super Bowl of challenges, we have the older folks versus the newer folks in a Super Bowl of challenges. So I definitely want to be part of that. And that is my my framework if I could create the next five years of this show. So just keep an eye out for it. It will be the biggest thing ever in the challenge world, watching some of the young bucks who think they own the world 
having the old you know college kid come back and just give them the biggest wedge year of their life and let them know who's boss. So I, I can't wait for that as well. I'm pumped, man. And I think you're right. Having a linchpin like TJ in there, it links all the franchises, I guess, together. Can I make one request going forward? Of course. As, as something course. that annoys me when I watch the challenge, TJ's Chiron or like lower third always says handler. And if I were TJ, I'd be like, motherfucker, I'm the host of this show. Uh, like for everyone out there that doesn't know television production, a handler is kind of like the bitch to like make sure like you get out of your trailer and get to sit right. on time. <laughs> right. I've never get understood why he's the handler. Make sure the coffee is, is right for the cast, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I haven't even looked at the title of him on our show. I wonder if it says handler too. I bet you it does not. For a while, it used to just say TJ Lavin. Uh, BMX star. Yeah, it would just give him. It would give him that role. So he's he's now evolved to handler. I think that's a demotion. Yeah, like you think uh, <laughs> he should definitely be host. He should be. It should say TJ Lavin, face of the challenge. Yeah, you know what I mean. He is the through constant that everyone can expect. And I'll tell you what, when TJ shows up on on set, there's no middle ground. He's e either delivering great news or terrible news, and it's usually terrible news that involves us doing something ridiculously crazy so tj is feared and loved all at the same time logistically filming this thing in just a couple of weeks when you say that to me that means it was a super ambitious shoot, shoot schedule with people who are not spring chickens were you guys just filming like every single day was there fatigue on in that respect after doing it looking back is, this, is there anything that you would change i think the shoot time which was three weeks so when you got to set and when you left, if you stayed the whole time, was three weeks. And I think just from being there and hearing people's reaction afterwards, it was the perfect amount of time because it wasn't too short, but they definitely, if we would have went a lot longer, a little longer, people would have started like complaining just because they missed home because they're moms and dads. But we got to Argentina and actually had to quarantine for seven days. So we were in our hotel for seven days doing nothing. I didn't, see, you know, we could see people out the window, but in terms of physical communication or that conversation, I think when we got there the first day, everyone, we were just like unleashed caged dogs. Like we're running around the house because we've been cooped up so long. So I don't think it was definitely, it wasn't even, it didn't even feel like a rush schedule. It just felt like a constant schedule. Like we had no true days off. If you, if you weren't competing or eliminating someone, it was interviews. It was, 90s parties that we threw it was pajama so like i went there with a the producer hat on knowing i just don't want to compete every day i told everyone bring a 90s outfit bring some sleepwear like let's do some stuff some og stuff that the fans used to love and i'm glad it made the first episode because it was such the 90s party was great and people like the, the music to match that was perfect so it was a a, a long shooting schedule and 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 ch challenging but it wasn't impossible and i think everyone kind of after the first few days, just kind of sunk back into their, okay, well, this is how it's going to be. And everyone was fine. Listen, I think everyone's excited to see you guys like jump from, you know, steel bar to steel bar on a moving semi truck and melt ice with your back and all this crazy. Shit. But at the end of the day, I do believe that a lot of the fans, at least ones from like my age demo, are excited to see old rivalries return. Are people who are bitter that were bitter in like the mid 90s still bitter today? You know what the funny thing about that was is TJ said the very beginning, your past will come back to haunt you in some cases. Episode two, Trishel and Katie, who were best friends forever, have the biggest fight 
And it was the opposite. So it wasn't even like they had beef. They went the other way. They went from being best friends to, I'm not sure they're even going to be friends after this show. I mean, that's how visceral the conversations and the, the arguments got. But you'll move ahead. Anissa and Ruthie, you know, they have some problems. Nehemiah and Ruthie, Derek and Nehemiah. So yeah, it, it's fun to have that history to kind of tap into as, you know, looking at it from a producer hat. And the great thing about this is we, we can go back and show those flashbacks of those shows and those moments. So unlike a show today, if they have a, you know, if they have an argument, they don't, sometimes they do, but they don't, they don't flash back 15 years, which everyone looks different. It, it, you know, it's not high def. You're like, oh, wow, this is a video videotape. But yes, you will see those rivalries come back to haunt you. You will see some friendships mended, but you will also see some that that is definitely being tested that might not last after the show, which hey, it was maybe it was time and this was the catalyst that it needed to end. So who knows? Or it just sets you up perfectly for season two and more drama to come there you on go. in. There you go. I'm no dummy. Yeah. Girls. I'm no dummy. Come on. When you watch the challenge, there's a lot talked about your social game, your physical game, your puzzle skill game. Obviously, they're all important, but what do you think is the most important as someone who's won the challenge? What, you've won it twice? Yeah, I've won it twice. So I think when you show up, everyone can be in shape if they want to be, right? I mean, if they took the time to be in shape, they're, they're, that's not a mystery. But when you come to those checkpoints in a final or those checkpoints in a daily challenge that require you know, the math skills that you got to do on point that you got to, you know, think on your feet. If you, it involves the, the pentagram puzzles you put together. It involves just a lot of stuff that to some people you can train all day long for that, but you still don't get it. It still doesn't click that puzzle. And we have some in our show where it's puzzles or trivia or, or objects putting them together. I think that's almost a stronger asset to have in your bag than just being physically strong because every challenge that I've done and that I've seen, even with, with double agents, there's that X factor of who can do the puzzle better or who can do it the fastest or which partner can help the other person do the puzzle fastest. And that plays a huge role because you know the finals now aren't, hey guys, start here and, and run to the top of that mountain. There's always checkpoints, there's always puzzles, there's a wild card eating, elimination that's always fun um so i think physical attributes play about 30 percent, and all the other stuff play about 70 percent. to be honest the challenge that stands now when i watch there's like kind of a big focus on picking on the rookies there's just this whole kind of like rite of passage thing and if you know you haven't been here for a while then we want to send you down into the pit as many times as possible and as often as possible. And with this show, obviously that's can't be done because no one's a rookie. So what is the thing that people end up like focusing on in your show? When you watch in the beginning, there's a lot less to judge on, right? So a lot of the things are looked at how well you did in the challenge, or we also, in our particular situation, we had to a guy and a girl had to step up to be captains each day. But if they lost, if their team lost, they were instantly set in the elimination for the house and the vote someone in against them. So we actually granted in the beginning, sometimes the, the loser, because he had the balls enough to step up, we granted him, hey, who would you like to go against? Like, who, who do you want? You know, and then it, then it takes almost like not the pressure off the house, but it, it, it almost justifies giving the person that steps up kind of that that we have your support, thanks for stepping up. So 
The funny thing, though, is as you see the series go further and further, the strategy starts to kick in, and that's when you can see the line in the sands with alliances. So that's not always the case as we creep along this this you know fun train of reality television competition. So as that five hundred thousand gets closer, and as the numbers whittle down, it shifts from I don't want to say not fair, but fairness kind of leads towards strategy. And who's going to get me to the end or who do I think has my back when the time comes? So the very few first votes might seem a little easier, but as you go, it's definitely a strategy play. And I think everyone knows that. There's a time in there coming up where I'm just like, guys, let's be honest. This is, this is strategy. This is alliances. Let's not, let's call out the pink elephant in the room. So Everyone knows it, and we're skilled. We are skilled competition players. Even though we're a little older, we still know the game. Last question about the Challenge All-Stars, which is on Paramount+. Plus. It started, yeah, a week ago, so everyone go, Last week, yeah. go watch it. Being an EP, but then also being a contestant in the show, was everyone really upset that you were the winner? <laughs> uh, like I said, <laughs> every step of this challenge... I have to earn my way through it. And you will see it. I do not get an easy ride. I might not even make the finals because like I said, if we were playing tug of war every day, I would probably have a really, really great shot at, at, at making the finals and winning. But it's not that type of show. I, I want it to be fair and competitive and as unbiased as possible. And you will see that. And I mean, hey, that's why you tune in, right? Maybe the Godfather wins. Maybe he gets sent home to episode five. You never know. Let's see if I could trip you up there, Mark. Apparently yeah, not. I see you. I see you. Come on. Come on. Last question. You're a big fucking dude. You're jacked up. You know, kind of like the big gun right now in the challenge is is Fessy, even though I, I feel like he's a little bit of a complainer, but whatever. We need to get into that. No, oh, Fessel. Who would you rather go against in a hall brawl? Would you rather go up against Fessy or would you rather go up against CT? Just oh. by the way, I think that you might blow both of them out the water, but who would you rather? Well, as I said, Sirio, episode one, I am 6'3 and one half inches, 230 pounds of twisted steel. So I don't care if I'm 29, 39, or 49. Those stats ring true to this day. I think me being a competitive, it's not even uh, arrogance. It's just me being very competitive and competent. I think my advantage to Fessy is is my age. I mean, I would come in there and, and treat him like a son rather than a, a counterpart peer. And you know how you were kind of scared of your dad when you grew up? <laughs> I would put that fear of, of that daddy, daddy mentality in his mind. And listen, he always says, oh, I played football and this stuff. I played football too, dude. I know how to lower the boom. I know how to be a free safety and knock your fucking teeth out. So <laughs> Fessy, no problem. CT now is it CT's getting better in shape is it better in shape CT or CT that I've been seeing lately because he he he's getting in really good shape again I think so CT and I would have a battle but like like Fessy you know I, I've I've played all those type of contact sports before it would be a bad I would I mean just because I love CT so much would it be hard to go against him of course but him and I are both we can flip that switch just like a Derek and uh you know it would be a battle but you know I think I go 2-0 on both, but that's just me being arrogant. I actually agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> Nanny said something a couple weeks ago that I thought was true. She was like, Fessy's a guy who would like hire a hitman 
to go kill you where CT would buy the knife himself and do the work himself. And I was like, I believe that actually. I that is an excellent <laughs> quote. Yeah. That is true. I, I, I stand by that Nani tweet, man, or that, that statement. That's awesome. It's nice to see how CT has evolved too, because he, you know, in the beginning, you know, the, the Boston personality brought in, he was really aggressive and really combative. And I think that was kind of his shtick. But as he's grown older and he's now a father, he plays a very strong strategic game now where he used to smother you with his, you know, the threat of his fist. Now it's more of a gameplay behind the, the scenes kind of thing, which I've loved to see in that evolution of his game. And Fessy, man, it's, you know, I, I said this the other day, Fessy, you know, everyone can win daily challenges, but until you win the final, you know, you, you can't crown yourself the next greatest thing yet. And I, I think he'll get there. Like I'm not a Fessy basher, basher at all. I mean, I think he's carved himself out to be the nice villain, which which is a big role in these shows. I don't not root for him. I, I always root for someone that that's really trying and, and passionate. I just think he's got to get that 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 one championship notch in his belt before he starts, you know, trying to claim that he's the new greatest thing on the challenge. I agree. Screw the MTV version of the challenge. Everyone needs to go watch the challenge all stars. It's on Paramount Plus. Go stream it now download the app, all that kind of stuff. Really, really excited for this season. And and thank you for bringing more of the challenge into my life. It really has brightened these COVID days as of late. Is there anything that you want to talk about your show that I haven't asked you about before we pivot into my part portion of the show? I knew we had something when they released the trailer and within a week it had 5 million plus views. I mean, that's insane for this type of, of show where it's come from. Um, it's a really fun show. And if, if you're 18 years old or, or 49 or 52 like Beth, there's an audience for everyone. TJ's a great, you know, trigger point, uh, linchpin to that. And um, it's a fun, fun show that you can smile throughout the whole thing and everyone can put themselves in our shoes thinking, wow, I could probably do that. And uh, some things are very hard. The final that you'll see is super hard, just like a regular challenge. But um, it's fun. It's entertaining. Thursdays, the new episodes drop on Paramount Plus. It's the first episode. I couldn't have gotten any better response than I did from all of the fans and the press outlets alike. And, and the, the Barstool Sports shout out was great. I mean, the Us Weekly stuff and People Magazine, all of them. So I'm super excited, my man. And I'm glad you and your girl have to watch. You have to. Oh, don't worry. It's we didn't have the Paramount app, but now we do. So it's it's okay, coming perfect, up. Perfect. Perfect. OK, I don't know if anyone told you about what this show is, but I'm kind of obsessed with origin stories. I'm more interested in how people became successful and well-known and what that blueprint was. Right. So we're going to take a quick break and when we come back. We're going to find out where the hell Mark Long came from and how the hell he got on this show. You down? Perfect. Let's do it. Stick around. You're listening to the Wells cast. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bare Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle. 
breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When it comes to financial advice, you gotta trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. All right, back on the Wells cast. Very, very excited to have the man, the myth, the legend, one of the uh, OGs from, like, I, I feel like a lot of my audience might not even remember that there was this show called Road Rules where they would take, like, I don't know, 10 strangers and throw them in a Winnebago and make them drive around the country like a bunch of assholes doing a bunch of weird things. But it was, like, one of my favorite shows growing up. And I will say this. I was definitely more Road Rules than real world guy, but that's neither here nor there. That's where this man came from. You were on the 1995 season. You came along at a time where reality TV was still in its infancy. I don't know if people really understood what it was, and they definitely didn't fucking know what it was going to be. As someone who was a forefather of what's considered to be amazing entertainment, but the downfall of American society. How do you feel about the role you played? Oh, I didn't give myself this term, the godfather. I have, I have cast members from every show across the board, you know, give me that, that phrase of the godfather, and I wear that hat proudly. Yeah, I mean, back then, we didn't have a blueprint to go by. You know what I mean? When I did the Road Rules show, there wasn't a first season even to look back on and say, oh, this is how it works, right? So in terms of being a true, true, original, organic, comp you know, kind of like an adventure show, it was it. And there was so many shows, like I heard a rumor that Fear Factor was then spun off of, of a road rules type of theme that they the producers saw that show and said, wait, we could probably do this, but on a bigger, smaller scale, so to speak. So Lots of shows got spun off from different early reality programs. And the thing now, the, the, the biggest change that I've noticed is because of social media, everyone is so instantaneously available to pick on, bully, praise, um, give their highest regards. So that to me is a little weird because... I even said, our cast member, we never, even when we were filming now, we didn't talk about Instagram followers when we were down there or how did your Twitter know? I hope our Twitter numbers go up. We didn't, we don't care because we didn't come from that generation where I think a lot of people, 
you know, even outside of the, the MTV challenge, these guys today that are on the different reality shows, they're so focused on that. And they, they you know, my numbers, my brand, my this, and it's like, we, we would compete now in all stars for a razor scooter, just as hard as we would for $500,000. So that's a generational thing. It's a lot more produced these days, you know, types of reality shows, but you know, that's one of the things I can always say that was so special for me is I didn't have anything to compare it to. So when I showed up to the, the mountaintop on Malibu and met these people, I didn't know what I was going to be getting into. And, and it was like the wild west. I mean, there was so many things we did that you couldn't do today. There's an episode where we drove these demolition derby cars in Indiana, and I actually talked the producers into letting me drive a car in the race. And that wasn't like, they would never let me do that today. Like there's so much insurance there, but the guy's like, yeah, if you don't crash it, you can drive it. And I'm like, I look at the producer like, come on, this, we have to, and they're like, go for it. So I'm like, I was, that wasn't in the script and that would never happen today. But it was really the wild, wild west. Um, there was a, a story, we were in New Orleans. That's when Kit Hoover and I had our mysterious first kiss. Our production Winnebago got broken into and they stole like three boxes of already shot footage. And they actually had to release an article in the paper and somehow they paid like a $3,000 ransom and the tapes just magically showed back up. So <laughs> it might've not even happened if, if that, cause there was like three boxes of tapes were probably three cities. So there's so many behind the scenes stories that, that weren't shown. I mean, I used to take the Winnebago when production was already asleep and like in their hotel, I would take the Winnebago and just like drive through McDonald's. Like they, they didn't know what we were doing, but you could never do that today. So it was literally like the wild West back then. And it's gotten way more structured, way more produced, but it's produced in a great way. I mean, just how our show looks compared to how it looked. I mean, with the drone shots and just showing the vastness of Argentina, like, it is badass. So I, I'm I'm not saying that's a negative thing. I'm just saying back then there was really nothing to compare it to, period. I agree. And I think one of the biggest problems that we find on in the Bachelor world is there's this kind of like cliche that always gets thrown around is that you're not there for the right reasons, which is a very nice way of saying you're there because you want Instagram followers so you can go sell diarrhea tea on your Instagram page. And, right. and so... My question was like, you're the reason why the Kardashians are a thing, which isn't fair oh, yeah. be because you're not. Because the thing that annoys us about the Kardashians is that like one Instagram post, they make like $400 million. And that was never a part of your guys's game plan to begin with. And right. you're right. Absolutely. And the fact that it, it has evolved to that. And, and trust me, I mean, let I'd be lying if I said, hey, my Instagram and Twitter numbers aren't going up. I mean, they are. But yeah. that's, you know, I'm not out there pushing my Instagram or Twitter. It's just a natural thing that happens now. But those shows like the Kardashians, man, good for good for them. I mean, holy crap. The evolution of that show and just how long it lasted. And Buna Murray was a big part of that as well. It's amazing. But, you know, it's not right for you because I'm sure and even on your show, there's there's some genuine people showing up thinking, hey, this might be the one. And there's those, you know, there's a few bad apples in every bunch that are probably there to just, you know, have those moments where they want to be seen and they do their freak out moments or their cries or their fighting. And and that's a shame, too, because you kind of diminish what they're there for. I'm really good friends with uh, one of your cohorts from the past. Do you remember Nick Peterson? Oh, yeah. So Nick was the one that took the money and didn't split it with the girl. Yeah. So 
I have a charity for Give Kids the World that he comes to every year. And, and people still ask him about that because it was just such a dirty move. But cut to Johnny Bananas doing that to Sarah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So people know what's going to make good TV. They know now nowadays like what they have to do to stand out, which is it's cool in a way because it's fun parts of it's fun moments of the shows, but it's also a little more produced than organic, which is how we used to be back in the day. I mean, even the first real world, you could tell they were totally real. I mean, it wasn't like they came to put on an act. It was, you know, Eric Nice was Eric Nice. You know, he was the New York kid that was just the model, str- you know, struggling. But, you know, just those stories and having watching that reunion on Paramount Plus is awesome, too. So it's fun to go back to that vintage. I don't want to say old people, but the vintage reality, the pioneers, so to speak. So it's fun, man. It's and I don't know what it is, but people love nostalgia and I'm right there with them. So I love it. I mean, there's a reason why vinyl has come back and all that kind of stuff. It's because people love to feel a certain way. Even for me, it brings up, I was in high school when your guys' season was airing and it, it reminds me of, of that time, which is great. Speaking of high school and stuff, where are you from? I was born in Philly. I grew up in Philly till third grade. Uh, my dad was in the military. My mom was a nurse. So we went, we bounced around a little bit. I ended up in a small city in Florida called Satellite Beach little small city right on the beach, um, went to University of Florida. I actually sent in a casting tape for Los Angeles Real World from University of Florida. And I was a broadcast production major, so I made a really kick-ass tape. So I'm like, if anything, they're at least gonna appreciate the time I spent on the tape, because it was like, it was cool. Like it was real, like bunch of shit with awesome music and all this stuff. So I got the call and started going down that rabbit hole of, of Real World Los Angeles. And I got down to like the final 12. And there was a guy on there called, his name was Aaron, a blonde guy, he was a CPA. And they were like, well, Mark, you know, we love your personality, but we think Aaron is a better real pick because, you know, you have this broadcast journalism major and you want to be in entertainment and he's just an accountant. You know, it's a little more real to us. I said, that's fine. So I didn't make that. And then like three months later, when Puck got kicked out of the house, I got called to be a roommate change. So I actually flew out to San Francisco and met with the, the roommates and they ended up picking a girl named Joe because the other the guys were like, well, we had a guy, you know, we let's try a girl this time. So, but it was a blessing in disguise because two months after that, I got a call to do the road rules pilot. And I did the road rules pilot with four other people that weren't even on the original cast. So when the road rules pilot got picked up, they told us in the beginning, we're going to cast a new group of people. So I was literally, this is a true story. I was in Los Angeles on the corner of Hollywood and Fuller. There's an apartment there, studio. And my, I had a home phone. My home phone rang and it was John Bunim and Mary, Mary Ellis Bunim and John Murray, the heads of Bunim Murray. They said, hey, we wanted to let you know the uh, road rules pilot got picked up. I'm like, awesome. And then I'm thinking in my head, well, hey, I, at least I could put that like on my resume, you know, like road rules pilot playing myself. And they said, but we had a guy that was cast to play kind of your personality, but New York didn't like him. So they just asked if you you wanted to do it. Fuck yeah, I want to do it. So, and they're like, but you can't tell like the other cast, you know, for the first few weeks that you did the pilot because we want them to be kind of surprised as well. So I ended up doing the pilot with, I mean, the show with four other people that didn't do the pilot. And when the show came out, I got calls from all those people that did the pilot. Like, what did you do to get on the show? <laughs> Who did you sleep with? I'm like, dude, give me a break. So. That's a, that's a uh, kind of a, a peel behind the curtain. Like I never even was supposed to do road, road rules. It's just a guy that was playing my personality did something to piss him off. So I got the call. 
When you look back at that first season, what's the thing that you remember the most fondly? When I looked back, they re-aired it the whole season on uh, MTV Classic the other day. It was a whole, like a, uh, what's it called? Like back to back to back, a whole thing. It was so, it was so vanilla. Like it was so vanilla that I laughed. I'm like, this was cutting edge back then. I'm like, this was like, what was like the cool thing? Like, I guess the, the, the thing I look back on Kit and I, Kit Hoover and I, we had such a great relationship and such a comic relief for that show. Like we get in, we got into so much, even the producers rolled their eyes with, I just remember the good times and going everywhere. I mean, we went to 36 States in three months and did, you know, I was on the today show as a Barnum and Bailey clown, like with Matt Lauer, who's not even there anymore. I mean, you name it, we did it. Like I'm saying, rode the race car, did the skydiving, did the bungee jumping, did I was one of seven people that had stood on top of the president's head on Mount Rushmore. Like we got to do so much crazy shit that, you know, looking back, now you appreciate a lot more because when I'm 21 years old, I'm like, this is cool. This is but like you don't it doesn't sink in like it does now. So the fact that, you know, I can say I did all these crazy things and then to come full circle with what we're doing now is like that's a, a reality pioneer's dream is to relive that moment that was just so fun and um i loved it man i loved every second on that show i loved filming on every second of this show and and it's just it was an amazing time road rules was you know it was critically acclaimed i mean it was like a, a show where it wasn't just people thought hey i like the show it was like a critically acclaimed reality show of its time to to do that and to be you know have four Winnebago's like a circ like a traveling circus and be able to pull all this off. It, it was super cool. A lot of people get their 15 minutes and aren't able to do anything with it. And then there are people who are able to use that forward momentum and really create something special. I mean, you, you did road rules and then, I mean, like you did like MTV sports, you did Fox realities, you did reality remix. You were like the gadget guru. You've done a lot of stuff. And then now you're an EP on the challenge all stars for all of our listeners out there what's one piece of advice that you like live by that's helped you like kind of like create this forward momentum throughout your career you know wells it's so simple and i've said this many times one of my most favorite jobs i've ever had was the show on fox reality reality remix i hosted it with kennedy who's now on fox news it was it was like entertainment tonight but we it was for reality shows i went i did so many cast visits, they flew me to China to cover Survivor China. But I think the biggest takeaway that I've taken from being a reality star growing up is I never took myself too seriously. I was always responsible. If I had a, a call time at 10 o'clock, I was sitting out in the parking lot at 9.30. And there were so many people that I tried to get involved in Reality Remix as a correspondent to kind of throw them a bone. These people just drop the ball left and right. I, I won't even drop names, but some of the big ones I think would have really helped launch what they're doing just by being responsible and not being an asshole. So like, like you, like you doing your podcast and continuing and being the out there and being responsible, your set is amazing. Like you're taking everything, you know, it's, it's fun, but you take it seriously. And I know every type of reality thing, whether I'm doing all stars or where I'm doing a guest spot on you know, a different television show or the gadget guru, I always thought this could be my last job. So I want to hit it out of the park in every way, in terms of being nice to the, the production, having them say, God, that guy, Mark was awesome to work with showing up on time, being prepared. So that sounds very basic, but in the world of reality TV, some of the cast members that have the biggest potential 
just dropped the ball by just not taking things seriously. And it, it pisses me off. So I was like, I could have had so many people, so many jobs during that, that, that series. And it just, it was disheartening to watch. And then now, you know, now they're like, Oh, well, now I want to do this. I'm like, well, you know, great. But you had a chance to do a lot of that. And you just, you know, I don't know if it was age, but I mean, it's just, if you're watching, if you want to be a reality star, be real. Don't go in with any altered things of what you think the producers will watch. Be yourself. You never know who they're going to pick. And if you are a reality star, you know, be responsible. Take your job seriously. You know, come prepared. Show up on time. Be creative. Like, I can tell just by looking at your set that you're like me. And you take things seriously and you, you're you good at it. So they should follow both of us, or both of our uh, our paths well. So that was my, that's kind of my advice. I always say it's really hard to get rid of someone who's really, really easy to work with. That's showing up on time. That's being super nice to everyone. You should be nice to everyone just because you're not a fucking exactly. asshole. But like, yeah, being easy to work with, I think is like one of the most important things on your resume or it should be. I think you could go back to every job I've had in entertainment. And not only would they probably say he was easy to work with, they're like, dude, if we asked him to fucking pull cables, he would have done it because oh, yeah. I was that involved and invested in what we were doing. And why wouldn't you be nice? You know I mean? They're giving you an opportunity of a lifetime. That's why- you know, there was a few times even on All Stars where a few cast members just kind of weren't that nice to production. I'm like, dude, I, I, you could be replaced in the snap of a finger. Just be nice. We're here to do a job. You're getting paid. It's like, shut up. I'm running out of time with you. Before I let you go, uh, you got time for some rapid fire questions? Oh, of course. All right, here we go. Rapid fire questions with Mark Long from the Challenge All Stars. Number one, favorite pizza topping? Ooh, sausage. Favorite book? Uh, I'm not a book guy. I'm like, a, I'm like an entertainment magazine guru. All of them. Who was your first kiss? Oh, her name was, I forgot her. Oh, her name was like, I don't know, like a Joanne. And I kissed her. I brought her a gold, like little balloon, like balloon that you wear on your thing, a gold balloon necklace on the side of Holland Elementary School. And I kissed her. So romantic. What was the first concert you ever went to? First concert was Hammer with Vanilla Ice opening. Uh, you just age yourself again right there. Oh, uh, yeah, baby. <laughs> First job you ever had? First job I ever had was at Taco Bell. I was 15 years old and I lied and said I was 16. And I did the drive through and I would give all my friends free shit. First car you ever owned, make and model? Honda Accord. Still running today, I'm sure. Still running, baby. Who would you call to get you out of jail? Andrew Queller, a, uh, a, a buddy of mine. He's, he's just, he looks like a bouncer. He looks like a hitman. He's just tattoos on his neck. I call him first. If you won an Emmy, who'd you think first in your speech? Oh, I gotta thank moms. I think moms and dad. First record cassette or CD you owned? You want to hear something hilarious? I think it was Madonna. Because <laughs> I remember playing, I remember, here's another aging. I remember riding down my street on my bike, holding like a jam box, playing Lucky Star. <laughs> I thought it was cool. Celebrity crush. I mean, younger, like who didn't have a crush on Pam Anderson, right? I mean, when, she, when I was younger and she was younger, Pam Anderson was my crush. I always liked Carmen Electra too. She was cool. Early days of both of them, 20 years ago. How would you describe your high school self? You know how they give out superlatives in high school? I got best attitude. <laughs> I'm like, is that cool or is that lame? But no, I, was, I always was friends with everyone. I was friends with the guys on the football team and I was friends with the guys in the rocket club because I just always, I was never the bullying guy. I always wanted to make, I like to make everyone in the room feel cool and feel comfortable. That's always been like a, a thing that I've tried to, you know, even to this day, like if I see someone getting picked on or getting, you know, I, I try to like 
diffuse that as quick as possible. And last one, you've done a lot. What's one thing you haven't done in your career that you'd like to? I think the evolution of me is kind of like yourself. I think I've been in it so long that I could have like a serious XM podcast of reality, all reality, and really go back and, and, and pull out the vaults. I have so many stories, dude, from Playboy Mansion to getting arrested, like so many stories that are just haven't been out. I could see that or I'd, I'd love to you know, kind of host something on my own based around what I'm doing now. We'll see. That would be cool. And I've, I mean, the world is the oyster now with, with the success of this show. Hopefully we'll do many seasons of this. I feel confident we will. You know, I'll be coming back to you in a few years saying, remember that Super Bowl idea? It's happening. So we'll see. You should write a book, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd have to get that cleared yeah. by <laughs> a lot of people. Um, Got to wait for a couple of NDAs to expire. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Mark Long, thank you so much for being on the Wells cast. You are an absolute delight to talk to. I totally get it. It makes total sense to me why you've been doing this for so long. Everyone out there, the Challenge All-Stars is on Paramount Plus right now. Make sure you go watch it. Where do people follow you to keep up with your stuff? You can follow me everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, at TheMarkLong. Easy. Thank you, brother, man. This was so much fun. Thank you, Wells. I appreciate it, brother. See you, man. See ya. Subscribe to Wells Cast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the internet. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.